Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. Daniel eight fifteen through 27 When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I tried to understand it. Then someone appeared standing before me, having the appearance of a man, and I heard a human voice by the Ulai calling me, Gabriel, help this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I became frightened and fell prostrate. But he said to me, Understand, O mortal, that the vision is for the time of the end. And as he was speaking to me, I fell into a trance, face to the ground. Then he touched me and said, set me on my feet. He said, Listen, and I will tell you what will take place later in the period of wrath, for it refers to the appointed time of the end. As for the ram that you saw with the two horns, these are the kings of Medea and Persia. The male goat is the king of Greece, and the great horn between its eyes is the first king. As for the horn that was broken, in place of which four others arose, four kingdoms shall arise from his nation, but not with his power. At the end of their rule, when the transgressions have reached their full measure, a king of bold countenance shall arise, skilled in intrigue. He shall grow strong in power, shall cause fearful destruction, and shall succeed in what he does. He shall destroy the powerful and the people of the holy ones. By his cunning, he shall make deceit prosper under his hand, and in his own mind he shall be great. Without warning, he shall destroy many, and shall even rise up against the prince of princes. But he shall be broken, and not by human hands. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true. As for you, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days from now. So I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I arose and went about the king's business, but I was dismayed by the vision and did not understand it. Hebrews 10, 32-39 But recall those earlier days when, after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to abuse and persecution, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion for those who were in prison, and you cheerfully accepted the plundering of your possessions, knowing that you yourselves possessed something better and more lasting. 
Do not therefore abandon that confidence of yours. It brings a great reward. For you need endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, the one who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. My soul takes no pleasure in anyone who shrinks back. But we are not among those who shrink back and so are lost, but among those who have faith and so are saved. Good morning and welcome to the 24th Tuesday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's reading was read by my partner, Laura, and it comes to us this morning from Psalm 13, Daniel's 8, and Hebrews 10. And as soon as she got up, uh, Laura said, I hate Daniel, or, or you know, it's really, <laughs> really confusing. And it's true, Daniel is a particularly interesting book. It's filled with visions. It's almost, it's very similar to Revelation. And as we were discussing the passage, it it struck me that, you know, Daniel and Ezra each have, you know, whole chapters written in Aramaic, which was the language of Jesus. It's this local dialect at the time that's related to Hebrew, um, but it's distinct. Hebrew and um, Aramaic were both uh, Eastern Semitic languages. Um, Hebrew was the more formal, you know, in in the synagogue kind of uh, language. <clears throat> and Aramaic was one of several dialects that was that prospered around this time. So Daniel and Ezra are are written close to the intertestamental intertestamental period, in the rising, the bubbling up of tensions between. Uh, what at what is you know at the end of the Roman Republic into the Roman Empire between uh, you know the 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 known world of the West and this uh, you know the the full you know the kind of what am I the consummation not consummation but like Judaism was reaching its you know kind of full flowering uh, the Maccabean Revolt. Would be the the first uh, autonomous um, rule over Judea um, since you know, man, uh, hundreds of years, um, and it hasn't happened since until 1948. <clears throat> but um, you know, this bubbling up of tensions and this introduction of these local vernaculars into Holy Scripture. Um, and I, I remarked to Laura that, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's, you know, the apocalyptic, uh, the late apocalyptic literature of the Old Testament, chronologically, um, is, is almost like a bookend with John's revelation with all these visions having to do with, you know, the, the supernatural, the spiritual things that are going on as, um, as, Rome is kind of reaching its own, you know, kind of full flowering, and Judaism is before it will split into rabbinic Judaism and Christianity. Um, and so this this period of time, several hundred, you know, years spanned, a couple hundred, you know, includes the Maccabean Revolt, includes Jesus's ministry, includes the destruction of the temple, the writing of the Gospels, um, and then finally Revelation, which is thought to have been written pretty damn late. 
Um, and you kind of have to get into that world to understand um, what's going on. And biblical scholars, I think, have done that for the most part fairly well. Um, you know, when I was um, just getting out of the military, John Dominic Crossan and Mark Borg were both pretty well read. And they, I still have several of their books, you know, The First Christmas and... Um, and uh, the idea of the historical Jesus was, at least for me, I know it, it kind of began earlier, but uh, it certainly seemed to me to reach a certain popularity. Um, <clears throat> but the that same effort hasn't been matched in terms of the 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 real politic and the military reality of Rome in Judea at that time. Um, and so the the last couple of weeks I've been doing this twelve saints twelve days, and much of it is uh, has a lot owed to some more recent scholarship that's combining these two silos, you know, Roman military history and biblical scholarship. Um, and some of the names I think I've mentioned before: Christopher Zeichman, Laurie Brink, um, Alex Kirichenko. Um, they're really they have done a really good job, in particular with Luke Acts. Um, Zeichman is a little bit more uh, New Testament as a whole, but Brink and Kirichenko both focus much more on Luke Acts because there's more material, um, and uh, probably the author or the community that produced it was more familiar with the kind of socio-political reality of the day, and has a really friendly you know, perspective on soldiers. Um, but we actually know a lot about what was going on in these several hundred years span where, um, you know, Jesus was, you know, preparing his ministry. It was being prepared for him um, by John and, you know, the kind of the social context that preceded him. Um, and then everything changed as the Gospels began to be written Mark was the earliest one, and it wasn't written until about the time of the revolt. It's actually this, you know, very complicated time um, where, for the Messianic Jews that would become Christians, um, the the bad guy wasn't necessarily the Romans. The bad guy was also, I mean, it was the Romans, but it was also. Um, zealous Jews who wanted to throw off the yoke of Rome, including the high priest at the time, Ananias ben Ananias, who um, uh, had James the Just, who's Jesus' brother, as well as the bishop of Jerusalem, the first bishop bishop of Jerusalem, um, he had him killed. And there's very good reason to believe that some of the split between what becomes rabbinic Judaism and Christianity has to do with the Messianic Jews not taking up arms against Rome as most of the other Jews were doing. Um, and so that says something both in terms of nonviolence, but it also says it in terms of Christianity's unique relationship to the state. For Paul in Romans to say the governing authorities you know, are, are a tool of God's purposes, you know, to punish evildoers and reward the good. I believe he wrote that before the revolt, but this is clearly an influential document before the Gospels are being written, 
and influencing the understanding, the anti-oppressive, anti-imperialist core of Christianity, um, tempered against the cold, hard, you know, boots-on-the-ground facts that before the revolt, most Christians were kind of fine with soldiers in their midst, and Jews mostly as well. Um, and it wasn't until the more radical nationalistic faction within Judaism goes to war with Rome without the Messianic sect's um, support that really complicates our understanding of this notion of, quote-unquote, the early church um, and what it means that within this context, the Gospels are being written. Just prior to this, Paul is writing his letters and forming the early theological understanding of Christianity as, as distinct from Judaism. Um, and so it's it's just not as simple as we want to think. Um, you know, this is a community, or the Gospels reflect a post-revolt composure, but they're depicting and describing events that began before the revolt, when, when Jews, both Messianic and, you know, rabbinic, I suppose, um, had a more friendly relationship with Rome. Um, and then the result of the more radical, you know, anti-nationalistic or anti-imperial Jewish forces, they effectively changed the very face of Judaism th by, uh, indirectly through um, spurring Rome to take action and destroy the temple, the center of sacrifice. And so the blame doesn't fall as squarely on Rome as we often think. Um, and the, the, you know, the, 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 I hate to use the W word, but the, the, the great beast of Babylon in John and in Daniel and in Ezra and a lot of this apocalyptic literature is not always so simple as Rome. It's also those who are in bed with Rome and those who are so bound up with Rome and so bound up in their hatred for Rome that they kind of, they kick the bear and fuck it up for everybody. Um, and so if there's anything that makes the Messianic Jews, the earliest Christians, stand out, it's that they don't have so much against Rome that they're going to kick the bear with the rest of the religious establishment and incur the wrath of Rome. Some of them probably did. Um, but Jesus's, you know, comparative disinterest in Rome, preserved in things like, you know, taking the coin out of the fish's mouth, that's actually really important. That is a distinct political stance that was separate from both the zealots, which were, you know, going around and killing people just to piss off the Romans, and then the mainstream religious establishment that was complicit in, you know, revolting against Rome and um, watching Rome then destroy the temple. Um, and so Christianity is not known so much for its anti-Romanism as much as it is its pro, you know, pro-God, pro-human dignity stance. Um, 
And so I, I, I rail against some anti-imperialists on Twitter and, and kind of tongue-in-cheek in the 12 Saints, 12 Days series. But it really is a distinctive feature of early Christianity that they weren't so caught up in trying to get Rome off their backs that they participated in this stuff. Um, the Maccabean Revolt and this revolt, the, the Great Roman-Jewish War, um, are both instances of the the collective sum of Judaism deciding and acting in a way that was for its own self-interest, you know, political determination and sovereignty. Um, but the Christians, at least in the second instance, distinguished themselves by not necessarily identifying Rome as the primary problem. But there's something else that the metaphor used in apocalyptic literature should hopefully be pointing us toward. If we read about the great you know, uh, figure of Babylon or whatever, and we only think that it's Rome or it's only an empir- empirical, imperial system, and we don't also see it as the systems of power that exist also in religious communities, then we're missing the point. A prayer in times of conflict from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, you have bound us together in a common life. Help us in the midst of our struggles for justice and truth to confront one another without hatred or bitterness and to work together with mutual forbearance and respect. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, Always family. Semper Familia.